of Human Bondage by W. Somerset Maugham, Chapter 77. After lunching in the basement of the medical school, Philip went back to his rooms. It was Saturday afternoon, and the landlady was cleaning the stairs. Is Mr. Griffiths in? he asked. No, sir. He went away this morning, soon after you went out. Isn't he coming back? I don't think so, sir. He's taken his luggage. Philip wondered what this could mean. He took a book and began to read. It was Burton's Journey to Mecca, which he had just got out of the Westminster Public Library, and he read the first page, but could make no sense of it, for his mind was elsewhere. He was listening all the time for a ring at the bell. He dared not hope that Griffiths had gone away already, without Mildred, to his home in Cumberland. Mildred would be coming presently for the money. He set his teeth and read on. He tried desperately to concentrate his attention. The sentences etched themselves in his brain by the force of his effort, but they were distorted by the agony he was enduring. He wished with all his heart that he had not made the horrible proposition to give them money. But now that he had made it, he lacked the strength to go back on it, not on Mildred's account, but on his own. There was a morbid obstinacy in him which forced him to do the thing he had determined. He discovered that the three pages he had read made no impression on him at all, and he went back and started from the beginning. He found himself reading one sentence over and over again, and now it weaved itself in with his thoughts, horribly like some formula in a nightmare. One thing he could do was go out and keep away till midnight. They could not go then, and he saw, and he saw them calling at the house every hour to ask if he was in. He enjoyed the thought of their disappointment. He repeated that sentence to himself mechanically, but he could not do that. Let them come and take the money. He would know then to what depths of infamacy it was possible for men to descend. He could not read any more now. He simply could not see the words. He leaned back in his chair, closing his eyes, and, numb with misery, waited for Mildred. The landlady came in. "'Will you see Mrs. Miller, sir?' "'Show her in.' Philip pulled himself together to receive her without any sign of what he was feeling. He had an impulse to throw himself on his knees and seize her hands and beg her not to go. But he knew there was no way of moving her. She would tell Griffiths what he had said and how he had acted. He was ashamed. "'Well, how about the little jaunt?' he said gaily. "'We're going. Harry's outside.' I told him you didn't want to see him, so he's kept out of your way. But he wants to know if he can come in, just for a minute, and say goodbye to you. No, I won't see him, said Philip. He could see she did not care if he saw Griffiths or not. Now that she was there, he wanted her to go quickly. Look here, here's the fiver. I'd like you to go now. She took it and thanked him. She turned to leave the room. When are you coming back? he asked. Oh, on Monday. Harry must go home then. He knew what he was going to say was humiliating, but he was broken down with jealousy and desire. Then I shall see you, shan't I? He could not help the note of appeal in his voice. Of course, I'll let you know the moment I'm back. He shook hands with her. Through the curtains he watched her jump into a four-wheeler that stood at the door. It rolled away. Then he threw himself on his bed and hid his face in his hands. He felt tears coming to his eyes, and he was angry with himself. He clenched his hands and screwed up his body to prevent them, but he could not, and great painful sobs were forced from him. He got up at last, exhausted and ashamed, and washed his face. He mixed himself a strong whiskey and soda. It made him feel a little better, 
Then he caught sight of the tickets to Paris, which were on the chimney-piece, and, seizing them with an impulse of rage, he flung them in the fire. He knew he could have got the money back on them, but it relieved him to destroy them. Then he went out in search of someone to be with. The club was empty. He felt he would go mad unless he found someone to talk to, but Lawson was abroad. He went on to Hayward's rooms. The maid who opened the door told him that he had gone down to Brighton for the weekend. Then Philip went to a gallery and found it was just closing. He did not know what to do. He was distracted, and he thought of Griffiths and Mildred going to Oxford, sitting opposite one another in the train, happy. He went back to his rooms, but they filled him with horror. He had been so wretched in them. He tried once more to read Burton's book, but as he read, he told himself again and again what a fool he had been. It was he who had made the suggestion that they should go away. He had offered the money. He had forced it upon them. He might have known what would have happened when he introduced Griffiths to Mildred. His own vehement passion was enough to arouse the other's desire. By this time they had reached Oxford. They would put up in one of the lodging houses in John Street. Philip had never been to Oxford, but Griffiths had talked to him about it so much that he knew exactly where they would go, and they would dine at Clarendon. Griffiths had been in the habit of dining there when he was on the spree. Philip got himself something to eat in a restaurant near Charing Cross, and had made up his mind to go to a play, and afterwards he fought his way into the pit of a theatre at which one of Oscar Wilde's pieces was being performed. He wondered if Milton and Griffiths would go to a play that evening. They must kill the evening somehow. They were too stupid, both of them, to content themselves with conversation. He got a fierce delight in reminding himself of the vulgarity of their minds, which suited them so exactly one to another. He watched the play with an abstracted mind, trying to give himself gaiety by drinking whiskey in each interval. He was unused to alcohol, and it affected him quickly, but his drunkenness was savage and morose. When the play was over, he had another drink. He could not go to bed. He knew he would not sleep and he dreaded the pictures which his vivid imagination would place before him. He tried not to think of them. He knew he had drunk too much. Now he was seized with the desire to do horrible, sordid things. He wanted to roll himself in gutters. His whole being yearned for beastliness. He wanted to grovel. He walked up Piccadilly, dragging his club foot, somberly drunk, with rage and misery clawing at his heart. He was stopped by a painted harlot, who put her hand on his arm. He pushed her violently away with brutal words. He walked on a few steps, and then stopped. She would do as well as another. He was sorry he had spoken so roughly to her. He went up to her. I say, he began. Go to hell, she said. Philip laughed. I merely wanted to ask if you do me the honor of supping with me tonight. She looked at him with, am with amazement. He hesitated for a while. She saw he was drunk. I don't mind. He was amused that she should use a phrase he had heard so often on Mildred's lips. He took her to one of the restaurants he had been in the habit of going to with Mildred. He noticed as they walked along that she looked down at his limb. "'I've got a club foot,' he said. "'Have you any objection?' "'You are a cure,' she laughed. When he got home, his bones were aching, and in his head there was a hammering that made him nearly scream. He took another whiskey and soda to steady himself, and going to bed, sank into a dreamless sleep till midday. End of chapter 77